God to um, deal with him. He's the leader, one of the leaders of Boko Haram um, terrorist group. Um, Abu Bakar is his first name. A-B-U. Anybody writing it down? B-A-K-A-R. Shekau. S-H-E-K-A-U. They try to go for bad. He sends videos around threatening people and stuff. So we're going to pray for God to turn his life around. Amen. Pray for God to uh, open up his eyes and, and to who he really is. Reveal Christ to him and cause him to repent of his sins. But tie his hands so that he can't do any more evil and any more killing. So amen. Praise God. Amen. So we're going to uh, pray, uh, talk about the needs that we have for this month. And I think it's Nigeria. Amen. Um, in uh, in the news and, uh, you know, always pictures of uh, sincere Christians, most of them very, very joyful. And even in the midst of suffering, but they have real needs. So we're just going to address some of the stories here so that we can get an understanding of, of what these people go through, what their needs are, so we can pray. So this is the letter from the president of Voice of the Martyr. It says, Christ promises fill us with joy and give us hope for eternity. In John 14, 1 through 3, he promises to prepare a place for us in his home and come again and gather us to himself. This inspires us, and I have seen it, its power of encouragement after reading it with persecuted Christians who, because of their faithfulness to Christ, have been driven from their earthly homes. While Christ's joyful promises for eternity should remain foremost in our thoughts, we must not overlook his other promises, including those about our plight in this world. He says, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. In this world, you will have tribulation. In eternity, will we be Christ-like, having received his righteousness in exchange for our sin? We will be eternally without flaw and never have reason to sorrow again. But being Christ-like in this world is another thing entirely. We are Christ-like when we bear his shame, put to death our worldly desires, and take up our cross daily to follow him. We go forth loving but rejected, forgiving but abused, serving but slandered. We weep as he wept, even while we overcome as he overcame. Our bold and faithful Christian brothers and sisters in northern Nigeria exemplify this truth. It is important that we recognize their example not only so that we may serve them in their time of great need, but also so that we may draw inspiration from their lives of faith. They remained as Christ's witnesses in a place where they suffer extreme violence at at the hands of radicals among their own neighbors. Even after many years of serving them, I cannot fully understand what it must be like for them to live in a place where they are surrounded by Islamists who may kill them with impunity. I can only stand in awe of the Holy Spirit's power made manifest in them. At Voice of the Martyr, we are providing assistance to more than 1,400 Christian widows 
and their more than 4,000 children, all of whom have lost their husbands or fathers to Islamist attacks in northern Nigeria. Many of them still will live with the trauma of having witnessed their husbands or fathers killing firsthand. We know there are more than 6,000 such widows in total, and because so many have been displaced and we cannot, cannot locate them all, estimate that there are more than 10,000. These widows and children will see their husbands and fathers again in heaven. In the meantime, they and all of us who follow Christ and faithfully serve as his witnesses in this fallen world will be hated and bear reproach for his namesake. We are not called to a life of comfort. We are called to embrace living as lambs among wolves while we follow our Savior's footsteps. Let us remember that he was like a lamb that was led to the slaughter for our sake, for the sake of our Nigerian Christians, brother, Christian brothers and sisters, and even for the sake of their Islamic attackers whom we call to repentance. Amen. So we're going to go through this. Some nice pictures in here. I'll uh pass it around when I'm done so you can uh, see how Voice of the Martyr is helping. Uh, the people so um, this one is about forgiving her husband's killers like many Christians in northern Nigeria Alice has suffered multiple attacks from Muslim extremists but she is not disheartened because she knows that Christ told his followers told us his followers would suffer though it has been nine years since her husband was murdered by militant Islamic Fulani herdsmen every time Alice Bulus hears about a new attack she relives the pain of the day he died when I hear the sound of a gun I panic Alice said Alice and her family were asleep when men with covered faces stormed into their home around midnight on January 13, 2011 in Nigeria's Plateau State After calling her husband by name, the men shot him as he opened the bedroom door. Alice, who recognized one of the attackers as a neighbor, tried to stop the bleeding as her husband lay crumpled on the floor and their five terrified children cried in the corner. When the Nigerian military arrived in their village about an hour later, they took Alice's husband to the hospital, but it was too late. He died on the way to surgery. In Nigeria, they call it a crisis. Attacks by Boko Haram terrorists and nomadic Fulani militants are so common that everyone understands crisis to mean a village raid or a terrorist bombing. More than 35,000 Nigerians have been killed in the fighting between rebels and government soldiers since 2011. While many of those killed were militants or soldiers, a good number of Christians who were targeted in raids on Christian villages or churches. And like Alice, many of the victims knew their attackers. The conflicts have widowed an estimated 10,000 Christian women in northern Nigeria. And these women are often completely disregarded after losing their husband. In Nigerian culture, married women become the responsibility of their husband and his family, receiving little or no support from their own family. This was Alice's experience as well. She found it difficult to provide for her children as a single parent, but she persisted. Staying in a home she had shared with her husband and continued to farm their plot of land. The year and a half later, Fulani militants struck again. The Nigerian government dispatched police to help to control the violence, but a policeman was killed. After a policeman was killed, they retaliated by burning neighboring Fulani homes. 
Then the enraged Fulani militants burned Alice's entire villages, village and she and her children fled on foot. They managed to evade attackers who were blocking the road intending to kill those trying to escape. Alice and other survivors took shelter in one room of a home in a nearby village, but living conditions were tight. Alice looked for another place to stay, and the only place she could find for her family was the hallway of an elderly woman's home. They lived there until another Christian family offered them a small studio apartment behind their house. Alice was overwhelmed by the burden of raising her children on her own. Oblivious to everything around her, she said she spent a lot of time crying, sleeping, and waking at odd hours. Then one day in 2013, she reassessed her life. I'm not dead yet, she thought, so she prayed and asked God to give her wisdom. She began working odd jobs to support her family, making sure to save a 10% tithe before buying food, clothes for the children, and fertilizer for her farm. She used the proceeds from her farming to fund her children's education until 2015 when Fulani militants destroyed all her crops. Alice repented replanted her fields and continued to scrape by for two years until finally meeting some voice of the martyr workers who provided monthly living expenses and helped her relocate and rent a simple home. If not for you, she told the worker, either I would have died or would have abandoned the faith and become an unbeliever. After so much suffering, Alice was ready for a fresh start, but before she could settle into her new home, she faced yet another crisis. On the night of Friday, June 22, 2018, Fulani militants attacked villages, including Alice's, in the uh, Barkinladi area of Plateau State. As they burned Christians' houses and killed villagers, an 86-year-old imam in a, a nearby village sheltered about 200 Christians in the mosque, saving their lives. Still, at least 86 people died and many more suffered serious injuries. Alice and her family, along with several Voice of the Martyr-supported widows, were among the 7,500 people displaced by the violence. Voice of Martyr workers again helped Alice's family relocate to another area. Although she has experienced one trial after another, Alice sees how God has carried her through each catastrophe. The word encourage is the word encourages me all the time because it says the Lord gives and the Lord takes. She said, "We are just here for a time. Right now, I am no more afraid. I'm not afraid because of my God. Anything I ask for, He gives abundantly." And even after all she has experienced at the hands of Fulani militants, she doesn't resent them or want revenge. Until today, even with the recent crisis that happened, I had never felt anger toward them because the Bible already said that this would happen and said we should watch and pray. When she saw the neighbor she had recognized as her husband's killer, Alice summoned the courage to approach him and greet him kindly. She tries to do the same with any Fulani person she meets. This willful act of love has helped her find peace. During the two years that Voice of the Martyr has supported her, Alice has saved some of the funds she has been provided. She wants to uh, wisely use and multiply the gifts she receives. She has managed to buy a small piece of property and after more saving is slowly building a home. When it is finished, she and her five children will again have a home of their own. 
One of my prayers is that I do not live a useless life because I have suffered a lot, she said. But even my suffering, let me not take advantage of what I am given. Alice is gradually regaining her stability, but life is not easy. The responsibility of raising her children, especially her sons, without a father is still overwhelming at times. And each time another crisis erupts, as they frequently do, her fear and sadness return. But she has learned to turn to the Lord in those moments, trusting that her life is in his hands. And as she is... And she is committed to following God no matter how much she suffers. Following Christ hurts a lot, she said. You have to be ready. Amen? Amen. So that's Alice's story. Here's another story. Weeks before his wife's death, James had a casual discussion with her about whether either of them would remarry if the other died. James told her he wanted to die first so their two daughters would have a mother to care for them, and his wife Mary teased him by saying she would remarry. But then she grew more, but but then she grew more serious, telling him she had a sense that she would die first. James didn't think much of the conversation until later, when Mary was killed in an attack on their Christian village in central Nigeria. James was in the city donating blood at a hospital on the day of the attack. When he called home around noon, Mary told him not to come home because they had heard gunshots in a nearby community and she wanted him to avoid traveling through an area of conflict. She was not yet aware that Fulani Islamic militants were attacking the entire region of Barkin Ladi outside uh, Jos. Beginning at 7 a.m. that Saturday, June 23, 2018, the heavenly armed militants swept through the area using plastic garden sprayers to spray gasoline on houses before setting them ablaze. Mary called James back a little later crying and telling him the attackers had entered their village. When the militants arrived, Mary gathered their two-year-old daughter, Melody, in her arms and ran with their six-year-old daughter, Marvelous, for the safety of the surrounding bush. But they immediately encountered militants. Marvelous was hit on the head and knocked unconscious while Melody was shot in the stomach. The bullet passed through Melody's body and lodged in her mother's chest, killing Mary instantly. The girls lay near their mother's body through the afternoon and evening until someone found them. James heard nothing from or about his family until the next morning when his sister called to tell him that Mary had been killed, but their two daughters had survived. He had no time to mourn his wife rushing to the hospital to be with Melody, who was being taken into surgery. He stayed in the hospital with her for two months while she underwent two surgeries to repair her intestines, and he missed his wife's funeral. When the 86 people killed in the Barkin Lottie massacre received a hasty mass burial under the protection of Nigerian security forces. James was filled with grief and questions. If I had known I would be a widower at age 29, I would, would I even have gotten married? Why did God, did the God we serve allow this to happen to us? Why me? While many women have lost husbands in the violence in northern Nigeria, it is less common for men to lose their wives. Islamic militants usually target men because they know men often are a family sole a source of support. In this attack, however, James said he knows of five other men who lost their wives. One of the men lost 11 family members in one day. James is thankful he still has his daughter. His parents help care for the girls while he works.
James's grief was compounded by losing his home. He and his family lived in a camp for uh, internally displaced people for eight months, but they still could not return home. But they still, okay, the neighboring Fulani, the same ones who attacked the village, moved into the Christians' homes and took their land. James' older daughter, Marvelous, later told him that the man who killed her mother used to visit their house and eat dinner with them. He was one of the men who took mommy to see Jesus, she said, naming the man. James also learned that the attackers had chanted, Jihad is compulsory and we have killed the infidels. For many weeks, James seethed when he thought about the men who killed his wife. I didn't even want to see them, he said. As a Christian, he knew about persecution, but he never thought it would happen to him. He felt like his future had been stolen. James had recently graduated from college with a degree in environmental health, and he had just finished the two-year national service required of every college graduate. Their farm had supported the family that he had considered going back to school for a master's degree in public health. But now... His farm was gone, his wife was gone, and he had two young girls to support. Last January, Voice of the Martyr began assisting James with rent, school fees, clothing, and medical care. Though he earns an income as a tin miner, housing prices in the city have risen sharply because of the influx of Christians displaced by militant attacks. In addition to receiving financial help, he is also meeting with a specially trained Voice of the Martyr worker who functions somewhat like a social worker for the many persecuted believers that Voice of the Martyr serves in Nigeria. The worker meets weekly with each persecuted believer to check in on his or her progress, which has been a great help in moving traumatized people out of shock and into a place of self-sufficiency. After several months in the program, James's outlook on life began to brighten. I feel like I have people who care for me, he said. Being reminded that he is supported by his Christian family has restored his faith in God, and he says it is even stronger than before. God is good, he told a VOM worker. I feel I have a God, a living God, who will never forsake me. He still finds it difficult to interact with the militant Fulani villagers who attacked his village and killed his wife, but he intentionally greeted them on a recent trip to check on his farmland. Forgiveness will take time. James still wonders why the Lord chose to take his wife and not him, but he sees God providing for him and his needs as his needs arise. I feel loved, he told a VOM worker. He asked for prayer for himself and his two daughters, Marvelous and Melody, as well as for all Nigerian Christians who have lost family members, homes, and land. Pray that God will strengthen us and make us strong in our faith and provide for our desires. Because as it is now, it's like we don't have a heritage, we don't have a land. James and our other Nigerian brothers and sisters who have been scarred by this violence may have lost their loved ones and land, but they have not lost or have not been lost to the Lord. They are his portion and he are his then his inheritance, and not one will be snatched from his hand. Amen. Little one okay? Yeah, she's getting it up. Okay. All right. A Fulani woman finds Christ. Aisha Granger is not your typical seminary student. 
At 43, a divorced mother of two children, and she's Fulani, a member of the predominantly Muslim nomadic tribe spread across West Africa. Her journey started with a desire to learn. I really wanted to go to school, Aisha said, but growing up in a Muslim environment as a Muslim girl, your orientation is toward growing up and being a good Muslim, a good mother. Aisha followed cultural norms by marrying at age 18, giving birth to her first child a year later. As a young woman, she studied the college, studied at the College of Islamic Studies and became a state representative for the Federation of Muslim Women. She even converted her living room to a mosque where women could pray since Islam does not allow women to mix with men for prayer at the community mosque. I used to be a very fanatical Muslim, she said, and we were taught that Christians are infidels and we should not befriend them. We should not listen to them because they are not worshipers of Allah. We uh, were always encouraged to stay away from Christians because they will make us turn away from our faith. Then she heard God speak. When Aisha was in her 20s, she suffered from debilitating migraine headaches. She tried all the remedies offered by traditional healers, but nothing helped. As a last resort, she was told to recite a Quranic passage four times before slaughtering four rams. If that did not work, the healer said she would die. When the sacrifice failed to help, Aisha concluded that she was about to die. In desperation, she decided to perform one last prayer, so she went to the bathroom to perform her ritual washing. Before she could complete this final work, however, she dropped to the floor. Aisha sensed a voice saying, I want you to worship me. She knew enough about the Christian faith to realize this still small voice had to be the God of the Bible who interacts on a personal level. The supernatural encounter sent Aisha on a four-year search. She gradually stepped away from the leadership position she held in the Islamic women's groups and began spending a lot of time in her living room seeking God. Although she knew how much she stood to lose if she chose the infidel's God over the religion of her people, she could see that Jesus Christ offered something different. I had never heard of salvation before in Islam. There's nothing like that. Your salvation is only by your good deeds. Even then, Allah will decide whether you go to paradise or not. There's no assurance. As she studied the Bible and attended church, Aisha discovered that Jesus Christ had already accomplished everything necessary for her salvation on the cross. She simply needed to place her faith in his righteousness to gain freedom from the curse of the law. Soon Aisha was ready to tell her husband about her new faith. It didn't go well. So her husband sued her in Sharia court demanding that her possessions and both their children demanded they be given to him. While both civil and criminal matters are decided by Sharia courts in nine northern Nigerian states, Aisha's pastor, doctor, and several others advocated for the case to be transferred to the magistrate court, and it was. If the case had gone through Sharia, they probably would have ruled against her and she would have lost her children. The magistrate gave Aisha the choice of recanting her Christian faith or divorcing her husband. Since she could not give up her faith, her husband divorced her and relinquished custody of the children to her.
Aisha and her son moved out, but her daughter chose to stay with her father. It was a difficult time for her, even as other Christians didn't want to associate with her. They were afraid they would be accused by her husband of playing a part in her conversion. And they also feared that the Muslim community might turn against them if they were seen with her. If you are a Muslim and you come out of Islam, you are to be stoned to death, she said. In addition, Aisha's parents accused her of neglecting their needs by leaving her influential husband and his money. They insulted me, said all kinds of things to me, she recalled. They were in support of him. She endured continual pressure from her family and the community, and her ex-husband even burned down her house. The persecution became too difficult for her teenage son, Abduahi, who soon moved back in with his father. Aisha was ready to give up, even contemplating suicide. I just wanted to pack up and leave the town. That was when you people came into my life. Voice of Martyr arranged for Aisha to move to another neighborhood where the community would not know she had left Islam. I moved into this house with a lot of fear and tension, she said. But the tension gradually eased, and Abduahi, who had accepted Christ, brought his mother's through his mother's influence, came back to live with her in the new house. Without a safe place to live, Aisha fears he would have returned to Islam. Her daughter, Faiza, who remained with her father, was introduced to Jesus Christ through friends at school. After Faiza placed her faith in Christ, her father beat her and told her, Leave my house before I kill you. Faiza now lives with her mother and brother. Aisha is attending seminary so she will have a firm theological foundation from which to teach others. She hopes to work with other women who have left Islam to reach out to the Fulani with the love of Christ. Aduahi is 25 and studying as a in a discipleship school while Faiza is 16 and is in high school. Aisha lives with the stress of knowing that her ex-husband and his family are still searching for her to kill her. She re- receives regular text messages exhorting her to return to Islam or threatening to kill her. Yet despite the difficulties and uncertainty, she has no regrets. Coming to know the living God has made her whole life, given her whole life purpose. God created us to be his followers, to be worshiping him and being obedient to him, she says. Amen. So that's her story. Amen. Okay, so these are stories of people who are uh, orphaned at the hands of Boko Haram. On the evening before Easter Sunday 2012, Comfort Jessie sat in an enclosed courtyard on her home, of her home, chatting with her parents, other siblings, and some neighbors. Around 11 p.m., they had heard bombing in the distance. And less than an hour, Boko Haram militants were burning the church next door, pounding on the gate in front of their home. Comfort's mother, Juliana, helped her husband hide in one of the back bedrooms, covering him with clothes. God, we are in your hands, she prayed. Several militants entered to search the house while others dragged Juliana into the courtyard, striking her with their guns and taunting her about her faith. You Christians say God has a son. They said, call on that son. Today is your last day. Your own, your own life is over. They then forced her to kneel. They said if they don't get their man, they will kill her. My mother said, even though I will see your gun, I will not fear you. One of the men gave a shout from inside the house he had found Comfort's father. 
they dragged him out to the courtyard and instructed him to renounce Christ. He remained silent while Juliana's mother shouted, Jesus. The militants ordered Comfort's father to lie down and shot him four times. Before leaving, they ransacked and burned their home. Juliana pulled her dying husband into her lap and prayed. He uttered a final amen at the end of her prayer before dying. Comfort, who at the time was 13, sat by her father's body with her eight siblings crying in the early morning darkness. The Boko Haram fighters attacked the town in Adama State that night as part of their campaign to establish an Islamic government across northern Nigeria. Ever since the 2011 election of Goodluck Jonathan, a Christian, as president, the Islamic group had staged frequent attacks against both political targets and Christians throughout the northern states. In January 2012, Boko Haram issued a warning for all southern Nigerians, meaning Christians, to leave the north. Comfort's family was among the first to pay the price for staying. She and her family took her father's body to his hometown to bury him, hoping his family would help them. But instead, his family rejected them. Comfort, her eight siblings, and their mother were homeless until her mother managed to scrape together enough funds to build a simple shelter. But within a few months, Boko Haram attacked again, burning their rebuilt house. This time, the family fled the state walking through the brush bush for three days to reach a camp for displaced persons they stayed in the camp for more than a year but they struggled to buy food none of the children were able to attend school finally they were referred to a voice of the martyr supported training center for widows and orphans juliana received training and spiritual guidance while comfort and her siblings enjoyed joyfully enrolled in school but comfort carries scars from the trauma and losses she had suffered if a family member shouted at her she would spend the entire day in her room and refused to eat i slept with so much anger and pain in my heart she said children of christians who have been killed in the ongoing violence struggle emotionally and spiritually to recover from their losses While their physical needs can be quickly addressed, the deeper emotional and spiritual needs are more difficult to resolve. A generation of Christians is growing up with hatred, unforgiveness, and the desire to take revenge, a worker said. Now, we renounce that in Jesus' name. They're not going to hold on to that. We're going to pray for these people to be spirit-filled and start receiving the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome these things. So we'll add that to our prayer. Amen. In 2018, amen, Comfort and three of her siblings attended a youth camp at Voice of the Martyr hosted for teenagers who had suffered similarly traumatic experiences. Many of the young people had suffered not only persecution but also rejection, either from family members or a community that despised them because they were poor or parentless. The teens were disciplined Uh, discipled by mature Nigerian believers who taught them what the Bible says about forgiveness, hatred, and their worth as children of God. Some of the teens said it was the first time in a long while that they had felt like equals. Comfort met a girl her own age whom she now calls her best friend. 
She does not feel, and she does not feel alone anymore. The week-long retreat gave comfort a Christ, comfort a Christ-centered perspective on forgiveness. On one of the final nights of the camp, many of the teens gave testimonies of how God was working in their lives. Some were in tears as they surrendered their anger and hate toward Boko Haram. In the years since attending the youth camp, Comfort has been able to let go of her anger and even pray for Boko Haram. I begged God to forgive them because they did not, not know what they were doing. With VOM's help, the family has moved to a new home in the same city as the training center. The children are doing well in school, and Comfort, now 19, is working toward university admission. She hopes one day to work in banking. Every morning, Comfort and her family gather for devotions and thank God for the help they have received. Comfort says she knows God, she loved God before, but has grown in faith through her trials. I didn't really hold on to God as I am right now, she said. I love God now more than in the past. Amen? Amen. So. That's them. So there's a prayer for Nigeria here. There are also some little small studies here and there. Um, These really are prayer concerns. So we'll add them with the other prayer concerns that we have here. And we will pray. I just believe God has more power for his people to experience, you know. And uh, that's, that's our job. It doesn't matter who you are. You know, people say things, well, that's easy for you to say because you're not them. It's easy for me to say because we serve the same God. Amen. And so our God is no respecter of persons. What he affords to us, he affords to them. He affords to all believers. You know, we've been encouraged by uh, many of the uh, testimonies we've heard um, uh, that one book that we had um between two tigers you know some of the testimonies there totally supernaturally people were hidden from danger Uh, they were able to uh, win their persecutors over and so we're going to ask God for the fullness of his power in the lives of all of these individuals because that's what the early church prayed for they prayed for more boldness and they prayed that God would uh, come through for them and and that they would continue to preach in the name of Jesus without uh, fear and without uh you know, uh, any kind of fear of retaliation, all of that, not to live in fear, but to live in hope and to live in courage and to live in power. So I believe God will honor that prayer because that's what we all need is we need to live totally and continually in the power of God. So we're going to do our prayer now. If you guys will pray in the Holy Ghost. and Father, we thank you. We bless you and we praise you. We worship you, Lord, and magnify you. We lift you up, Jesus. You're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be praised. You're worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be magnified and glorified. Lord, you're highly exalted. You are high and lifted up. 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 You are high and lifted up above all gods. You are the God of all gods. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one true and living God. You're the maker. You're the creator of all things. So, Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We praise you. We honor you. We magnify you and we extol you, Lord. We lift you up, Jesus, because you are worthy to be praised. 
You're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be glorified. You're worthy to be magnified. You are highly exalted, Lord. You are highly exalted. You are highly exalted, Lord, and we praise your holy name. We glorify you. We magnify you. We extol you, Lord, and we lift you up. 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 You're worthy to be praised and adored. We thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you because you first loved us. Thank you, Lord, for your righteousness, for your shed blood that provides everything that we need. We ask you forgive our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Father. Thank you that we pray righteous prayers now. And these prayers are heard. They are answered. Before you call, before we call, you answer. While we are yet speaking, you appear and you answer. Every single need, Father, that we're praying for, we thank you for it. We love you, Lord. And we pray right now for a protection for these persecuted people. We thank you, Lord, that you are the great protector. You are the great provider. That you give them their time here on earth and no man can take their life from their hands, from your hands. So we put every life in your hands, Father. Every life that we pray for, we put it in your hands. And the evil one cannot pluck it out. So we thank you. We bless you and we praise you. Thank you, Lord. We submit to you, resist the devil, and he must flee. Devil, we command you to flee from us seven ways. Vengeance belongs to you, O God. We resist retaliation against our accusers. We are serving you. So why do the heathen rage? People imagine a vain thing. You who sit in the heavens are laughing. So behold their threatening, Lord. Stretch forth your hand to heal, O God. And do signs and wonders for all of these people we pray for today in the name of Jesus. We declare the way of the ungodly shall perish. The way of Boko Haram will perish. The way of the Fulani people will perish in Jesus' name. We say let them fall by their own counsels. Lord, you will judge the people. Judge us, O Lord, according to your integrity, our integrity that is in us. Let the mischief of those who persecute us return upon his own head. Keep me as the apple of your eye and hide me under the shadow of your wings. Thank you for teaching our hands to war so that the bow of steel is broken in our arms. Thank you for giving us the necks of our enemies. Shut the mouths of the lions that roar their threats against me. Cause the tongue of the wicked persecutors to cleave to the roof of the mouth and stop the pointing of the finger against your servant. Stop those who point the finger against us without a cause and who hate us. It's time for you to work, O Lord. They have made void your law. Lord, we know it's nothing for you to help. Help us, O Lord, our God. Save us according to your mercy. Let our hands prosper and prevail against our enemies. But the Lord is with us as a mighty, terrible one, and therefore our persecutors shall stumble. They shall not prevail. They'll be greatly ashamed. They'll never prosper. Their everlasting confusion will never be forgotten. Father, we pray this prayer especially for the young wife who was beaten and kicked out of her home in Nepal. In Algeria, for the government that is closing down churches, we curse their works in the name of Jesus. We say they will cease and desist against your church in Jesus' name. We pray for this Buddhist monk who assaulted a pastor. We ask you, Lord, to forgive his sins and cause repentance to come into his heart. Father, we pray for this uh, Laotian pastor who was threatened at gunpoint 
And I thank you, Father, to bring safety to that place. We pray for these teens who are driven from their home in Uganda, that they would have a, a decent home in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord. We pray for Jordan, for the new Christian who is forced to flee the country, that he would find peace and a new home. We pray for India, the Hindu radicals who beat the pastor at a prayer meeting. We cause shame to come on them. They will stop it in the name of Jesus. We ask you to forgive them, Father, in Jesus' name. We pray for this church closed in Indonesia, that it would open back up in Jesus' name. We pray for the church in Turkey, that the Christians would find a place to worship. After searching for two years, we say they will find a home this week in Jesus' name. We pray for India. We thank you, Lord, for uh, Bibles that have been distributed there. We thank you for more. We pray for China, that this Christian man that was injured in church demolition, thank you, Lord, that he will recover and be healed. And we pray for Uganda, uh, that, that the health challenges of these people, that you would put them in divine health and heal every single wound in Jesus' name. We pray for Vietnam, and we thank you, Lord, for having the people to raise up in mighty power. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to be heavily upon these people. In Jesus' name, that they would escape injury. And we thank you, Lord. We cause for a a calming down of Islamic violence in Burkina Faso, that it will die down as quickly as it raised up in Jesus' name. We curse the works of darkness in Jesus' name. They will not prosper in the name of Jesus. In Bangladesh, we pray for the Rohingya uh, believers who are being persecuted. We say, God, give them more boldness, give them more power in Jesus' name, that they will rise above their persecutors in the name of Jesus. And in Cuba, we pray for that church to be able to prosper and thrive, even though the government has taken their permit, that they will be re-permitted again. Father, you give them permission, and they are not uh, the gospel is not hindered or stopped in the name of Jesus. So we thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering every single prayer that we have prayed for your people, your believers, our brothers and sisters in Christ, to rise above the level of persecution, to be bold in their confidence in you, be bold in their witnessing that they are the army of God, that they will run like mighty men and they will leap on the walls like men of war. We thank you, Father, that they will not be stopped. That they will increase, increase, increase. Thank you for increased power, increased salvations, increased people baptized in the Holy Ghost, increase in power, increase in knowledge and wisdom. And we thank you, Lord, for coming to the rescue of your persecuted people. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, 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 amen again. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Jesus. We praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen.